but a little dark in here. I'm about to fall asleep. Yes. And all right. And I know how when I speak a long time, y'all fall asleep on me all the time, right? Speaking of falling asleep, let me invite um, the clay poles up here. And uh, I'm just kidding. Come on up here. Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a story behind that. I'm not going to tell that story. Do you want to tell the story? <laughs> they texted me this week and said, just basically, hey, we basically said we, um, we were paying attention this week in service. And uh, <laughs> once, yeah, for once. And Rebecca said, yeah, I always watch you being, uh, being asleep out there. And she wrote me and, and, and said something not nice to me in response. I'm not going to say what she said. She basically said you stink, but she didn't say it like that because we were joking around, right? And so all that to say, God was doing some things in them this week um, just as related to the message from last week. If you weren't here, here, come to the middle real quick. There we go. Um, if you weren't here last week, we talked about this idea of real conversations, that God is calling us to this, these real conversations, a life of prayer that we're living dependent upon him. And so I just wanted to invite them to come and just share quickly. This is the story of what God's done this week and whatever they want to share and, and with that. And so there you go. He has no idea what we're going to share. He didn't even ask. So that's why I, that's why we're here, because I feel like it was something that God wants us to do. I don't know if it's going to be the first fruits of maybe some testimonies. Uh, through through your series or what, but um, um, like you said, my name is Amita. This is Bill, my husband, um, and we we have a like a unique situation. We live in community with another couple that we have a small ministry, so it's a little different than the normal household. But when he was speaking, I'm looking at the notes. I make notes. It's up. Yeah, yeah. From last week, um, and I guess a couple of the things that he said. One was that the desire of our heart does not constitute a relationship. And one of the gifts that the Lord gave us for being obedient four years ago was to come to Vintage. He opened up Vintage like the week we came back to the area. And um, one of the reasons that we came back to the area was to be ministers to the couple that we live in community with. And they are both ministers. So we are ministers to the ministers. And um, as we were sitting there, he spoke to both of our hearts that we, as Steve was talking about relationships, he was talking about, you know, our relationship with the Lord is so important and how Christ's relationship with his father was so important. He made a point to get away. And then he made a point to, to speak with the people that he was closest to. Um, and um, I guess over the last four years, we have kind of. He just convicted us that we were not being as relational as we needed to be with this other couple. Um, we weren't being intentional about particular things. We were like Steve on the fishing boat. He was doing what was fun and what worked um, instead of really being intentional and making a difference. And um, so Bill got kind of an, a vision, actually, he told after we left, and I wanted him to share. And then it's just, um, it's nothing big that God did, but um, it, it, if you put God in a situation and allow him to do what he wants to do, it, it's very big. So so uh, while, we were, uh, while I was here and I was awake, it was a vision, not really a dream, uh, that uh, God just showed me that... Uh, I just saw this uh, fortress and that that we are watchmen on the wall. And as watchmen, it can be dangerous because they're the first ones taken out when there's a battle. Uh, so they don't sound the alarm and, and shout out a warning. So I just felt like as as watchmen that I had um, failed and was failing because I was I was just I wasn't watching. I was 
looking at my own circumstances, my own issues, problems, uh, life, you know, instead of what we were called to do was to intervene and minister to our friends. And uh, they were going through a, you know, a, a rough patch. And um, so by us, of course, um, holding someone accountable or uh, not really confronting, but, you know, just trying to open up avenues of conversation can be, it'll leave marks. Um, so, you know, we, ne- we neglect to do that because we don't want to be damaged. We don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be rejected or, um, you know, anything else, all the uncomfortable things. But by neglecting that, we allow things to go way further than they should, whether it's family or friends or, uh, you know, whatever your situation is, maybe even a spouse that we just let things keep going because we don't want a confrontation or we don't want to be rejected. So, you know, that, that's where God had just, I, I walked outside, I was just like, we've got to do something. We can't leave this like this. So, okay. so quickly, we went home and it, we pulled them up to our space. And um, just very humbly and actually in tears, we after we had repented to the Lord and then asked their, for their forgiveness, we just opened up an opportunity for conversation. And, you know, nothing was really accomplished that we could see um, in the moment. But um, the next day, even there was just such a freedom, like something had been lifted. And I think it was just just for, for, for our obedience. And I, I want to read something. Um, how. David Wilkerson, do you guys, anybody read his devotionals? Well, um, it wasn't actually him. It was, um, it was someone else. But it says, um, when you seize the moment with God through prayer and by faith with a resolution, and I guess the Lord gave me the word uh, intentional instead of resolution, with a resolution, you can release a supernatural reaction of atomic spiritual proportions. And that's what God did. You know, he did something. And we had nothing to do with it. We just walked in obedience um, and um, exposed ourselves um, to, um, I don't know. But anyway, God's good, and I hope um, that's it. Hey, so let's do this real quick. Let's just continue to pray for Bill right now. Pray for Bill and Amita. I'm going to grab my hands on these guys. Let's pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for this testimony. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the obedience, Lord, and, and being willing to share that with us. That God, in obedience, God of relationship with you, God, then there's, I just love that, that, that phrase, atomic proportions. God, there's just a breakthrough of atomic proportions, God, in the areas of our lives, God, as we really devote ourselves to, to prayer, to obedience, and to following you. And God, we praise you that as we are obedient, God, that you walk with us. So I pray for them, God, just in their next steps, the upcoming days and weeks and months, Father, that you would bear great fruit. For this ministry, Jesus, God, in them and through them and the, in the group they're in community with, God. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good job. Uh, thunderstorm? You hear that? <laughs> who, who is that? <laughs> Is that Sheila? Hey, it's an Amber. I'm sorry. Let's pray for that. Pray for the Amber Alert. Hey, did y'all all see uh, the ice bucket challenge that Sheila Anderson did this week? Yeah, yeah she was. Yes. <laughs> First hand, baby. First hand. Yeah, Santa Catherine. All, yeah, listen, it was so great. We're sitting doing the ALS bucket, uh, ice bucket challenge. And Anna Catherine, just, she just 
on her own. Said Sheila Anderson, which was awesome, right? And so Sheila did it, and it was hilarious. And Walt had a, man, Walt had more fun than anybody else, right? <laughs> we should do it again, man. Next Sunday. <laughs> All right. Very good. Very good. I love it. Well, hey, let's dive in this morning. Um, just a couple of things before we dive in. One, just want to encourage all of you. We are in the process of moving, uh, beginning to sign up for our small groups. Randall mentioned that earlier. And just so you know, the small groups, again, our small group campaign at Vintage is, is simple. We all do the same thing. This year where there's not video curriculum, there's not somebody you've never seen before talking to you. We simply are taking the Sunday morning messages and we are pulling a couple of questions from our time together here. And we're then encouraging you to think about that. Come into your small group and begin to discuss, to talk over and pray through those questions that we're asking. And the idea is this, is that we really want God to lead your small, your, your groups together. That's really it. That we're, you come together, ask these questions and you are very intentional. So it's not like we're, they're not some massive Bible study that's overwhelming. You got to do six hours of homework every day. All we're honestly, all we're asking you to do, let me put it this way. We want you not to be led by us in your small groups. We want you to go to God in prayer and ask him to lead you into your small group. Like I just say, my, my, my favorite moments in small groups are the moments when people throughout the week have been having real life conversations with Jesus. They step into their small groups and they have life, actual life dialogue about what's going on. And so for us. Eating and having a great time eating and, and, and just having great conversation and fellowship, getting together and having these conversations that hopefully you you let God speaking to you and speaking to you through the word. And then as you get together and then have real life conversations, praying for one another, we believe God's going to do something supernatural and powerful. And so with that said, again, that's when I encourage you to sign up for groups. We believe God wants to do something unique launching us even from these groups into what God has for us moving forward. And so I encourage you today just to, to, to pray about, but I would encourage you if you're not in a small group somewhere already to, to sign up for, for those and, and just get connected into what God is doing and uh, just see how it leads you to your real life. My, my, our vision and belief is this. At the end of these 242 groups, we will have lines of people who want to get up here and talk about how God has moved in their life. And so that's what we're praying for and desiring. Love to be a part of that. All right. So here's the takeaway from last week. Josh is going to put it on the screen so we can all see it. And just so I can catch you up from last week. You got it, Josh. Here it is right here. To grow into our real life, it is vital that we are having real life conversations with Jesus as we live dependent upon him. Just leave that up there. Real life conversations. We said real life conversations, another way of saying prayer, conversation, a a, a real relationship with Jesus. Not where I'm bringing him to a list of things that I want. Right. But I come in that dialogue with him in a real and authentic relationship. Right. So to grow into this real life, for those of you who have not been here, real life, all we're saying is there's a life we're living. And we believe that when God does things in your life, he all of a sudden raises you to your real life. This life empowered by God's spirit, knowing him, right? The life of the, it's just a, a different life. 
And so we believe that to lead to grow into this real life that God has for us, it's vital that we're having these authentic real life conversations with Jesus because we're dependent upon him. We're dependent upon him. And so when we live in this place of of real life conversation with Jesus, that's vital for our our success, vital for our lives. I want to say this morning that it's imperative that we are living dependent upon Jesus. Now, here's the great struggle with dependency is that dependency for so many of us is something that we are afraid of. Because we think of dependency equaling weakness. Oh, to be dependent upon someone. Because I can't do things on my own. But the reality is, is that every single person in this room, especially men, from September to December, or January 1st, really, right, they celebrate dependence. Because their teams will not function well in the football field unless their teams are dependent upon one another. Think about this. Think about football, whether it's American football or real football, right, soccer. Listen, in football, let's say all of a sudden the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, they, they want to they decide one game, hey, We're not going to play our offensive line this game because our quarterback, running back, and wide receivers are so phenomenal. All we're going to do is just play them on offense. We're going to have no offensive line. They would go out. They would they would muddle around, but have zero success. Why? Because the other players on offense, in the context of team, are dependent. Upon the offensive line functioning. Imagine in soccer if all of a sudden you said, hey, this game, we're going to play without a goalie the entire game. You're, you're, you're automatically going to lose, right? I mean, you could, you could man, I mean, literally the, the other goalie could kick the ball really far and just roll into the goal. You are dependent in the context of team on the people, right, doing their job. And so the idea then for dependence is, is this. We are to, to live in the context of team with Jesus, in a, in a sense, dependent upon Jesus every day as we follow his lead in everything. And so I'll read this quote again. To grow into our real life. Did you hear that like puberty voice change right there? That was fun, right? To grow into our real life, it is vital that we are having real life conversations with Jesus as we live dependent Upon him. Living every day of my life, recognizing not that it's weakness to depend on him, but that we've been designed in the context of team to live dependent on the one who created and knows all things. To live dependent. God, as I live my life today, I want to follow you and be obedient to you and listen to you in all that I do. All that I do. But in this, there's a great struggle with depending on Jesus, I believe, because we really wrestle and struggle fully knowing him. Like we struggle fully knowing Jesus. And I would say it's impossible to depend on someone whom you don't fully know or don't know well. And I believe it's a struggle that many of us have with Jesus. At worst, we see Jesus as angry, distant, 
disconnected and disinterested. That we come with issues and go, God, where are you? We live in this, this idea that God, that Jesus is in heaven, that God is in heaven, and that there's this real great disconnect. And he's kind of said, yeah, I'm with you from a distance, right? You can call me on the phone, but I'm not really involved, invested, or engaged in your life, right? He seems angry, distant, disconnected, and disinterested. Or maybe at best... We see him as a transactional God, a transactional God, that if we do the right thing and the right stuff for him, we will get from him in return what we want. Right. Transaction. I I have my quiet time in the morning for at least 30 minutes and then I'll have a good day. Transactional that if I give my tithe and my offering, then he'll bless me. We live in this transactional type thing with God. If I pray, right, the only way God's going to move in my life is if I pray, if I have a quiet time, if I don't do, the, do this and I do do this, all this, this transaction with him. All kind of birth out of legalism and law. If I do the right thing, I get something in return. Transactional relationship with Jesus. And so we live struggling then with depending upon Jesus, because if we're completely honest, we don't really know his love for us. Therefore, we don't really have faith in him. Therefore, we don't hope and confidence in his movement in everything in our lives. It's hard to depend on someone that we don't know or don't know well. So this week, I, you know, I was telling Kathy Cox, it's been crazy for that. It's been this season where almost every morning when I wake up, almost every morning, I'll, I'll wake up. And if my mind is not too asleep and I, and I engage early, I will I will I will pray and say, God, what do you have today? What do you have for me? Like, God, what do you want to like? What are you speaking right now? Because I believe I wake up and he's intentionally pursuing me, wanting to speak. And if I listen, he will. So, for example, this morning, um, I woke up and there was, oh my gosh, it's that old, an old hymn. I can't pull it out. Kathy's not in here. She could tell me because I told her. But I woke up with this hymn in, in my mind, right? It was basically thinking Colossians chapter 2, this idea of, of pursuing Jesus. And I remember as, I, as, I, as, I, as, this, as the song came in my mind, it's like, every, like it's everything else just stopped. And it's like God speaking this word of saying, Steve, don't live distracted. Don't live distracted. So this morning, on Tuesday morning, I woke Tuesday, Wednesday morning, I woke up and said, God, what do you have? And all of a sudden, like in an instant, the word family just dropped into me. You ever had that right? Dropped into me. And as soon as it dropped in, all of a sudden, it just began to explode and unpack in my mind. You ever had that moment where someone says something and all of a sudden it's like thought after thought after thought after thought begins to cascade. You're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, right? You finally had some sort of revelation, some sort of breakthrough. So this, this morning, that morning, I was like, oh God, family. He's just speaking the nature of family, the reality of a spiritual family. And so I began to realize that as I began to pray and just think about this morning, that God was speaking this word to me and to us about this context of family and the family that we are a part of. And simply put, that, that, that there is a reality, there is a reality about living in family with God 
that when God awakens it to us in this reality, we all of a sudden know him and dependence becomes natural. Dependence becomes natural. This morning, I'm going to build on that. I'm going to start by looking at Matthew chapter 6 and then John 15. I'm going to read these two verses without really diving deep into them. I just want you to kind of lay them out there for you. Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8 says this. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Like the the pagans who are babbling, they're babbling to gods they don't know. They are made of stone or of steel or of gold or of wooden of wood. Right, these images that they're worshiping, and they're and they're coming to these gods, and they keep on babbling and babbling and babbling and babbling. Right, with an expectation. Hopefully, the more they talk, that 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 all of a sudden there'll be a return. But they don't really know because they just think I have to keep on going until all of a sudden breakthrough happens. I got to because I have no idea what's going to happen. He says, listen, but when you come. You're coming to a father who, when you step in, he goes, I know. I know. Goes on in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants. Because the servant does not know his master's business. It's defining a transactional relationship, right? A servant and a master. The servant does the right thing. The master will give him something, right? Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Transactional relationship here to a shift of saying, I now call you friends. In fact, everything my father has shared with you, I have brought you into the inner circle of my, of my father and myself. I brought you in. And now everything that my father has spoken to you has been has spoken to me. I have now spoken to you. I brought you into the into the family. Right. I brought you into the family. There's this beautiful picture here of Jesus intentionally saying, Don't keep babbling. Your family, God already knows. You're no longer just servants. You're now friends. And everything that my Father has for you, I have shared with you. We see this beautiful language here of of a father, right? A family and of friendship, right? Do you see the shift here in Jesus' disciples? There's a shift to family language, for them, and this is massive, right? You see this context of, I brought you into family, I brought you into team, right? I brought you into team here, and I want you to recognize now that you're part of our team, you've got God on your team. And when you come with stuff, He already knows, He's caring, He's understanding, He's compassionate, He already sees when you come, He already knows what's going on. In fact, He's already moving in the things you're bringing to Him. I've shared everything. There's this ongoing relationship here with the Father. And the thing you have to then shift into mentally is this. You now see family and Father, and your mind should already then sh- you should already shift into, if he's a father, then it means I'm a child. 
Do you see the automatic language that's happening here? He's saying, he's saying, Father, if He's our Father, then it means that we are His children and that we are children. And so this idea is that we need to begin to see Him as Father as we see ourselves as His children. And the idea is very simple with children. Spend any time with children honestly of any age, and you will recognize that without their parents, they seem lost or they are lost. Especially in very, very young children. I'll never forget when Rand, like, like all of you have kids. Man, like when we had Anna Catherine and Sarah. Else, and we had that, like, revel, like that, that moment sitting there within the first three hours of having them at home. And I had the thought go through my head is they are fully dependent upon us. And if we are not faithful to them, if we don't fulfill our responsibility, they will die. They are and they were fully and completely and wholeheartedly dependent on mother and father. God has made God has made God made children to be dependent upon their parents in a in a very, very real and true way. They constantly need help, direction, encouragement, right? They need correction. They are dependent upon us in every form and fashion, right? Their dependence. Listen, and their dependence is completely healthy and it's completely safe because they know, hopefully, that their parents love them, that they are for them, and they can have confidence in their parents to fight for them. Do you see that? Our, listen, our children are fully dependent upon us and are very confident and feel safe in that. And it's a picture for us of father and, and children, God and us. I'll never forget coming home from college, even my own life, right? Here I am, an 18-year-old freshman at college, and I've been gone for a couple of months, and, and I would come home, and I would hang up with my parents, we would talk, and, and, and then I would just fall asleep for 36 hours. I mean, literally, I would just come home and go, crash. And literally, all my mom would do is just keep on, like, bringing me water and tuck, tuck me in and just scratch my head. I'm like, this is funny, but I love it, right? For 36 hours. Why? Because there was something about being at home with my parents that just made me relax and be able to rest. Children, dependent and safe with their parents. And God is speaking in the moment, right? I said to grow into our real life, it's vital that we are having real life conversations with Jesus as Father because we live dependent upon Him and utter safety and confidence and rest because He already knows because He's God And he doesn't say that we're servants, but that we are friends and children. So I don't have to babble. I just have to rest. Practically speaking, to be honest with you, I want to release you from having to say a lot in prayer. It is enough, honestly, to come to God and say, God, everything, you know it. Do it. 
I need to rest. In fact, I would say the best thing before you ever pray about anything is come and just rest in what he already knows about the things that you want to bring. And then just listen and then pray what he has for you to pray about that thing. So I don't have to, I don't have to, like, I have to say, I do machine gun prayer. I hope I hit it along the way, right? And we're like, I'm just going to talk until I hit something, right? Get tired, right? No, we just come and we rest in Father, dependent upon Him. Knowing as I listen, and just He will speak into me the things that I fight for, that I pray into. Do you have a knowledge of God as Father that is so rich? It's so rich that it makes the posture of dependence natural and easy. That's the posture of the real life we want to get to, right? Most of us aren't there. I'm not fully there. But God, I see this this posture of dependence that God, that's so natural and easy, right? Because we're friends and I feel safe and, and at peace no matter what comes my way. See, this is what he has for us. He has that. You know, the babble coming into his presence, he already knows. He is for us. Doesn't mean we won't go through difficult times. That's the great tension for many people. If I become a follower of Jesus, I'm promised that he will fight for me. And in fighting for me, nothing bad will ever happen. Read the gospel. Bad things happen to Jesus and bad things happen to every single one of his followers. Bad things will happen to us. Because we live in a fallen world that's sin riddled, an enemy who wants to destroy you every single day of your life. And what he promises is this, I will be with you, I am good, I am for you, and I will fight with you, and you will get through this. That's why it says, when the day of evil comes, stand with the, with the, with the armor of God, and after all is said and done, continue to stand in dependence upon the Father, because these are his, these are, this is his armor he's given you. He's fighting for you. But I believe what God wants to awaken in us in this journey to our real life is, is this. Is this idea that you were grounded in and that you find stability in the fact that you were a part of God's family because God is your father and Jesus is your brother and he's called you friend. That's the picture of scripture. You've been brought into the family of God. In his book, and I encourage all of you to read it, by Andrew Murray, it's called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's more like a devotional type book on prayer and real life conversations. Just so you know, real life conversations, we equate that to prayer. We don't use the word prayer because, honestly, you don't like prayer, so we call it real life conversations. It's me tricking you, right, to do it. <clears throat> real life conversations, just being honest, real life conversations. He says this, it is not enough to know God is a father. It is necessary for us to take time to meditate, to focus on, to listen to, to meditate on what that name implies. Must take the best earthly father we know and contemplate carefully the tenderness and love with which he regards the request of his children and the love and joy with which he grants every reasonable desire. We should probably underline reasonable desire in our culture, especially in our church culture. If this is true then how much more will our Heavenly Father in His infinite love and fatherliness view us and move in our lives? Do you see this? 
He's saying, just sit, take some time and just contemplate, dwell upon and think about the fatherliness of God. Think about, dwell upon, focus and see it. The father, fatherliness, the, how good of a father he is. Listen, and I'll say this and, and you know, Anna Catherine, I'll never forget. I, I've said it, shared it before. I got to say it again. And I'm saying this in humility, but she looked at me just a few months ago and she said, Daddy. When I, one day when I get married, I want to marry somebody just like you. I was undone. Because I'm thinking how bad I am, right? Don't do that. Find someone much, much better. Trust me. Ask your mom. But she has a sincerity that I'm the greatest man she knows. I'm the greatest man that she knows. She has this father that, I mean, she's blind to my failings, praise God. I'm the greatest man that she knows. And she rests in that. When something bad happens, she knows that I will fight for her. When something bad happens, she wants to, like yesterday, we had a softball game. Tension happened for her. She said, Dad, can I ride home with you? You know why? Because it felt safe for her. When she contemplates fatherliness, she has something to consider. I know some of you don't have that, and I'm unbelievably broken for you, and I hate that. But contemplate the best father you do know. Or contemplate what you think the best father should be and know God exceeds that. And then you pray, God, awaken this reality in me. I want to just end with Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. It says this. He's talking about prayer, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives the one who seeks, finds and the one who knocks door will be open. Press pause. He's talking about this context of expectation. When you come into my presence, I'm, I'm expecting you to ask for the things that that are going on that you need. I'm, I'm expecting you to seek after me with persistence. Right. I, I'm expecting you to knock with perseverance until the door is open. This is the nature of relationship that he has an asking and a seeking and a knocking in the context of relationship. And he goes on to say this, and he describes why you can be confident. Why can you be confident? Why can you be confident and depend on me? Why? Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him evil parents are because we are sinful we are broken beings saying even in your selfishness and in your brokenness you still desire and long to meet your children's needs if that's the case how much more will your perfect 
Father who already knows everything, who's brought you onto his team into the inner circle. Give good gifts to his children who ask. So when you come home every day in these real life conversations, I told you last week, I came to prayer a couple weeks ago and I closed my eyes and God said, you're home. When I come into these places of real life conversation where I come asking and seeking and knocking because I have a responsibility in that. Do not miss that. In the context of relationship, I have a responsibility. I'm called to ask. I'm called to seek. I'm called to knock. But when I do those things, I can come with confidence because my heavenly father knows what I'm going to ask. He's brought me onto the team. He never walks out like the offensive line I'm talking about. Instead, he stands there and he blocks. He stands there and he passes. He stands there and he receives. He is the team. I just get to be on it. Praise God. He doesn't need me on his team. He doesn't need me like I'm the weak link. Our softball team, we got weak links, don't we? We got weak links. This is Harley's mom. We got weak links. You know what? We're the weak links on Jesus team. And he loves it. He's like, this is awesome. because I can do it all anyway. He's come on. Let's go. And we're going to win. We're going to win at the end. It's going to be great. We're going to lose along the way. We're going to win in the end. We come with a heavenly father who loves us. And I want us to come back and say this. To grow into our real life, it's vital that we are having real life conversations with Jesus as we live in a place of dependence on him. The last quote from Andrew Murray is this. Prayer, real life conversations, they are an appeal to the friendship of God. We're coming to the friendship, to the fatherliness of God. We come and we appeal in confidence that he loves us. And my question for you, how are you doing living dependent? Is it an angry, distant, disengaged, disconnected father? Is it a transactional God? Are you living, resting, confidently, depending on God because you are so aware of the fatherliness of being in team, and of knowing Him. And all I would ask you to do this week is this. Ask the question, and then just take time to meditate on the fatherliness of God and His love. Because I promise you something. If you ask Him to reveal truth about Himself as your Father, as you ask, seek, and knock, I don't know a dad in the world who does not want to sit down and tell his children how much he loves them. We have to come in faith and hope that he will do this because he wants to. Let's pray. Father. You are good. Father, you smile over us. You are tender. You are compassionate. You are caring. 
I love Zephaniah. It says that you quiet us with your love, which means that we are crying, we are weeping, we are undone. It doesn't say you speak to us. You just quiet us. You bring us in. You draw us in. You hold us close to, your, close to you until we stop. And then you just hold us to create a confidence that you are for us. Quiet us with your love, Jesus. Speak life into our broken places. This morning, I pray, God, that you would help us. You know how bad we are depending on you. We're really bad. But I pray you would awaken us to the fatherliness of your heart for us. They would just awaken real life conversations as we live fulfilled and gratified by you every day, in every situation, in every moment. Lord, I pray that you would do this work in us because you love us. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.